Acts chapter 6. Let's read verse number 1 down through verse number 7. Acts 6, verse 1 through verse 7. The Bible says, In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and that's a hard one. Anybody want to try that one? Nicanor, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. All right, let's pray together. Our Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet together once again uh, for uh, your church. Thank you for the people whose hearts, Lord, are, are inclined to you. Thank you for those that are also tuning in via the, uh, the call-in as well. Lord, bless them, help them, Lord, to glean uh, your truth and to really receive the word, even as we study it uh, tonight. Lord, this, this message is not particularly uh, super practical, Lord, thou knowest, but it is your word, and it is what you've given us to, to learn and to study. So help it, Lord, help, uh, help this message to be just exactly what you want it to be, to help your people. Lord, I pray as well for the Davis family. Uh, I pray for them and their five girls. Lord, please protect them. Protect them spiritually. Protect their marriage. Lord, protect their, their motives and their heart. Lord, give them clear vision as they go back to, uh, to the mission field, that they would just have a perfect understanding of what you would have them to do. They'd be filled with a knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Bless their ministry with that, uh, that Burmese brother that they work with and bless their work. I pray that your power and grace would rest upon it as well. Lord, please just give them what they need. Supply their temporal needs and their financial needs and their spiritual needs. Lord, just give grace to them. Lord, allow your work to continue and to prosper. And I pray, Lord, just as we read a minute ago in, in Acts chapter 6, that in Burma, where they are, the word of God would increase and that you would save the Burmese people and the other people there in in the country of Myanmar. So, Lord, we commit it to you. We ask you to bless our time in your word here just for a little while. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we, we talked about on Wednesday, we talked about how there was uh, murmuring, and we, we looked at that and how that was not handled right, although there was a legitimate problem. And then uh, we also saw how that there were, 
There were people who were involved in the daily ministration, as the Scripture says. That is, there was, a, there, were service, there was services performed for these widows in the church, even though there were no titles yet given. Deacons did not yet exist up to this point in chapter 6. But nevertheless, even without a title, people were serving, people were helping, people were engaged in, as the Scripture says, serving tables, and we'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. So uh, in verse number two, the Bible says this problem kind of came to a head because there were just too many widows. The, the church had grown. We're, we're talking larger than most of us can really comprehend. There, there are thousands of Christians, thousands of Christians. And this is not over a big place. This is over one city. We haven't even left Jerusalem in the book of Acts in our study yet. And all of this is happening in Jerusalem. And there are literally thousands of people, no doubt hundreds of widows, and there's just not enough, there, there aren't enough people to go around and to help these, these people who are in need, who are in really desperate need, especially at this time in history. And so, verse 2 says, that Then the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason... It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Now, what's interesting is the word serve. Now, what you will not find in this passage is the word deacon. The word deacon is not here, although this is commonly accepted, and I think for good reason that this is the, this is the, the, the event in which the first deacons were selected. But the word deacon is not in the passage, but it is kind of hidden hidden in the word serve. Because the word deacon, the word translated deacon, and the word translated serve are cognates, and that means they're related. They're related to one another, even though the word is not actually used in this passage. But what we do see is that these people in verse 6, they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. All right, so here's what you need to understand, is these seven men, notice not women, but men, now, when we get to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're also going to see that the requirements also require these people to be men. Here's the thing. These men, these seven men that were chosen were duly and officially chosen and approved and selected by the church. So this is not just a random, <clears throat> this is not just a random call to anyone who would like to serve because there was a need. We do that all the time and that's fine and good. But that's not what this is. This is official, as, as demonstrated by the fact that they laid their hands on them, they prayed, and they were selected by the church. So here's what I'm saying. There was a process whereby people were given qualifications, people were selected, people were given duties to perform, and then they were ordained. That's the laying on the hands is a form of ordination. That is, they were established in a position to perform certain duties. All right, so this is not just random people volunteering and say, I'll do it. No, these are, these are chosen men, chosen men. And that's, we need to understand, this is why we say these are deacons. All right, hold your place here real quick and look at Philippians chapter 1. We're only going to look at a couple places in the Bible, so this will be one of them. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 1. Philippians 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, 
the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Now, why is that important that I say that? Because they're mentioned together. Now, we understand and we believe, and it's, I guess, a lot easier to establish that pastors, also called bishops, that just means it's someone who oversees, those, those people are obviously are, have requirements and are chosen and are established with a set of duties. That's what makes them, that's what gives it, uh, gives this, uh, this, these set of duties. It's not just any set of duties. This is a specific set of duties. It's called an office. That's why it's, that's an important point. It's an office. Well, the, what's said of the pastor, of the bishop, is also said of the deacon. They're both offices. They're both special roles. Notice I did not say titles, although that's true. Special roles that the church has within it. And in Philippians 1.1, those two things are mentioned together because that's the only two. Now, there is one more I want to mention in just a minute. We'll see in a minute. But let's go back to Acts. What I want you to understand about this is As you can see, in verse number 2, they said, the apostle said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, that sounds kind of, that sounds kind of insulting, does it not? Somebody give me a nod, give me, be honest, be a little bit honest. You read the verse and you're like, man, that sounds kind of insulting. Because we think of the lady, the lady at the restaurant who's uh, cleaning off the mess that you left on the table because you didn't clean, no, but you know, you think of that's what it means to serve tables, right? But I don't think this is intended. In fact, I know it's not intended to be, to, to be uh, minimized because this role is a role that done well is a role of honor. And we'll see that in just a minute. But the point being is you can see in this, just in this one verse, how you can see the role of, you can start to see the role of the deacon, but you can definitely see the role of the spiritual leaders in the church, the, in this case, the apostles uh, that were appointed by the Lord himself. And then you can start to see what's going on with the deacons. But here's what you have to understand is that the church is, is a spiritual body. The church, I've said this before, the church is not a social club. It's not, it's not a welfare organization. The church is a spiritual body. Now follow me. And being a spiritual body, it's spiritual leaders those that attend to the spiritual needs of the church are, are something that has been in existence from the beginning. What do I mean? What, what I mean is the spiritual leaders of the church were established first by the Lord himself with the 12 apostles. The 12 apostles at this point are still alive, but notice their 12 apostles were established ever since the Lord ascended. So there has never been a time that the church has not had spiritual leaders from the beginning. However... So spiritual leaders are, are, are something that the, if the church is absent of spirit, spiritual leaders, the church will, will be harmed without a question. Our church knows this. Our church knows the difficulty of that from the past, right? So the, it, it, the spiritual leaders are necessary, and you can see that they're, they're, they're here. But one thing you don't see up to Acts chapter 6, so from Acts 1 all the way to chapter 5, there are no deacons. The, deacon, the selection of deacons was in response 
to a problem that arose. Now, again, I said on Wednesday that it's a problem that was a result of the blessing of God. And we saw that the blessing of God can often produce issues that must be dealt with. But the fact that they're appointing deacons was in response to an issue that came up. That is an issue in secular matters. What I mean by secular is things that deal with physical things as opposed to spiritual things. So there was a, a, a physical or a secular issue that has arisen that is just the natural result of having a lot of people. And that issue had to be resolved. That issue had to be addressed. All right, so the deacons up until chapter 6 haven't existed. But the, the spiritual leaders, the apostles here, ha had to be there. But now we're coming to a point where there's kind of a breaking point. There's kind of a breaking point. It's not enough to have volunteers and, and just people randomly, uh, you know, being willing to do things, although that's good and that's necessary, and they were doing this prior to this point. But now there is a necessity. There is a necessity here that special people be chosen to attend to these secular needs that have arisen. And that's what we see in verse number 1. All right, notice what it says in verse number, in verse number 2. They were, <clears throat> in this case, serving tables is quite literal. Because as I said on Wednesday, they, were, they would take this money, and, and, and you know, what, what all was included in this is not, not what's important. But what was obviously important is they had to take this money that was being gathered and either give it to the various widows or they had to go buy the things and take it to the widows. The idea is the word tables indicates that this is for the sustenance of these widows. This is what they eat, right? Well, this is what they eat. Somebody had to take the food and put it on their table. And that's what we have going on here. But what that does is that demonstrates to us, even though the word deacon is not used, it demonstrates to us what the duty of the deacon is. Because this is, this is the reason they were chosen. They were chosen to attend to the secular needs that became necessary in the church. That's why they're there. That's why they're there. That's why they were originally chosen. But we also see... There's a, there's a not, I don't know if I call it a distinction, but there's a, a clear outline of what the pastor's job is in here and then what the, the deacon's job is in here. In this one verse, verse 2, he says, they should not leave the word of God and serve tables. Then it down in verse number 4, but we will give ourselves, the apostles say, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So that was the pastor's job. Hold me to account. Hold me to account. This is my job. This was Brother Stewart's job when he was the pastor. Continually to attend to the spiritual needs of the church. Prayer, ministry of the word, without which the sheep will be scattered. Right? On the other hand, the deacon's job is primarily dealing with secular, attending to the secular needs of the church the physical needs of the church. And this one verse, it makes that, makes that very, very clear. And not only that, we can see the context. What are they doing? What is the need? The need is the widows. The need is dealing with uh, and attending to the needs of the widows, getting the, them the food they need, getting them the help they need, going to visit them, going to, to make sure that they have the needs that they have. But in a more general sense, it refers to 
you know, those kind of secular things that as opposed to the spiritual uh, uh, endeavors that the spiritual leaders are involved in that would take them away from that. I, I tell you, these days, it, to be a pastor, especially of a larger church, you have to be as much of a CEO as you are a spiritual leader. And a CEO is not a spiritual leader. That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. And often, what pastors, what's required of pastors is it's required of them to oversee all of the administration of a church, a Christian school, a Bible college, a mission board, you know, all of these other things. And there's an element of spiritual, there's an element of the spiritual nature in them, but a lot of it is not at all. A lot of it deals with budgets and, you know, uh, different people, what positions they're in and, you know, you know, the trash being taken out and the toilets being plunged and, you know, maintenance and th- stuff like that. That's what's required upon them. But really, all of that takes away from what should be. And, and I tell you, it, sometimes it's hard. It's hard when, when you're in a pastoral capacity. I say even as a missionary, missionary, missionaries, you know what they do? They spend all their time running to and fro trying to solve a government requirement. It's crazy. It's crazy. You go to one, you go to one place, isn't this right? You go to one place and they say, oh, you just need this, this, and this. And you go get it and you come back. Oh, you need this, this, and this. And you go back. And you, I mean, you spend it, literally you spend half the day, if not the whole day, just trying to check the boxes and get everything organized and get your papers together. That's not, listen, that's not ministry, but it's, it's required. But see, it's that kind of thing. If those things are pull the spiritual leaders away from the spiritual care of the church, what's the effect going to be? If the pastor has no time to give proper time to study and to prayer and to visit people and, and to help in the spiritual uh, planning and the spiritual outworkings of the church, the effect is going to be the core mission of the church is going to be affected. All right, so let's move on. So I have to be careful. I have to be careful that I don't lose that focus. I have to be, even as a missionary, I had to be careful of that, that I don't lose the focus and get distracted from the spiritual uh, ministry because that's, that's why I'm here. That's, that's what the Scripture says. Now look at, look at verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we appoint, may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose, notice who chose, who chose? The whole multitude, the whole church. Stephen, a man full of faith, and then the other seven. I won't read them all again, but notice this. <clears throat> the requirements. Honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Stephen was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Listen, these men were not substandard examples in the church. These men were exemplary. These men were very spiritual men. These men were already serving God. They weren't looking for a title. They were already living for God, already following the Lord, loving the Lord, seeking the Lord. And you know what? They're, what? The description of these people is not much different than the, the description that you might have of a bishop, of a pastor. They were already in within the church. They were kind of 
the cream of the crop. And these are deacons. These are deacons. Not pastors. They, as far as we know, they're not, they're not preaching. Of course, we know Philip preached and Stephen preached, but, uh, but, but those not in an official capacity anyway. Even though they were, they were involved in what we might refer to as only secular matters, as their, as their job description was, did not mean that they were less spiritual or of a lesser caliber of a man than those that were engaged in spiritual matters. Remember, in all of church history, in all of church history, the very first person to give his life for the name of Christ was a deacon. Not an apostle. Not a bishop. Not a preacher. It was a deacon. It was that caliber of a man. Now, <laughs> what's interesting in verse 5, this is just kind of in passing, it says, The saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. This verse, along with Acts 15, verse 22, which I won't read, but you can just note it down if you like, are the only verses in the Bible that indicate anything about what we would call voting. Did you know that? This is it. The sum total of anything about voting in the Bible is right here. Now, of course, they chose Stephen. I doubt they, they, they passed around ballots. I just don't think that was a thing. <laughs> But this is it. There ha but here's the thing I want you to understand. Some people, some people talk about, in fact, recently I came across something where this one particular pastor, was, he was kind of, you know, lightly mocking the idea because voting is not, a, not really a thing, uh, you know, per se in the New Testament. But he was kind of mocking that idea about churches voting about things. But here's what we do see. Even though that might be true to some degree, here's what we do see. They did choose the whole multitude chose these men. Now how that, whatever kind of process was involved in that, they did choose. There was some sort of consensus. And that's really what voting is about. And listen, as a church, you know, I haven't been here very long, but I just want to say, this church has been, the, the, the level of unity and oneness on these matters has just been a, a great blessing to me. I mean, it's just a matter of just mentioning it and, you know, asking you to pray and whether it be about money. I mean, we spent a lot of money. When Brother Stewart was here at the tail end there, I mean, I mean, a lot of money on necessary things, right? The carpet and then the, the air conditioners. We got all kind of issues. And I know we might, everybody has their own opinions about this and that, whatever, but the oneness has been a great blessing. You know what? Listen. I know voting in churches is a very touchy point. In fact, it's a point at which many churches have divides and schisms. You know, sometimes we have to make decisions together, right? It's not just the pastor makes a decision or whatever. No, sometimes we have to decide together, like with the carpet. We have, all of us have to either enjoy or not enjoy the carpet. So we have to make those decisions. But it doesn't have to be divisive. You know what? We can just agree. So the vote, when, when, you, when you're in one mind and heart and you're all seeking the Lord and, and you're all mutually submitted to one another, you know what a vote becomes? A formality. A legal thing. Isn't that the way it should be? That's the way it should be, right? We should be one heart and one soul. And all these, all these matters, 
you know, just like with the carpet. It's not a big deal. You know what? I just want to commend you guys because that's, that's the way you approached it. And, you know, some of you picked one. I, I didn't get the one I liked. That's fine. I don't care. I don't care. But we did get a new carpet. It looks good, right? Amen. But that's the sum total of voting in the New Testament. So there you go. <laughs> now, notice in verse 5, these men were chosen because of their qualifications. Now, I want to make a point clear here. These men were chosen because of their qualifications. But they were chosen to serve. They were not chosen to be honored. And they were not chosen to hold a title. They were chosen to serve. When they went into this, look ye out among you seven men. They knew these seven men, when they, when they accepted this responsibility, they were accepting work. They were accepting duties. It wasn't like they thought, oh, well, now I get to wear my little, my little, uh, my deacon badge or whatever. Speaking of, where, where are your badges? I don't see your. <laughs> it wasn't like that. They, it wasn't a title. They had a title and it was official and that's important, but that's not what it was about. It was about service. And so their honor then, and we'll see that in just a minute when we look at 1 Timothy, but their honor did not come from their title, but their honor came from the faithful, the faithful attendance to their duties. Once they had done that, then there was honor because of their service. So making a man a deacon is not a matter of, is not an honor being bestowed upon him. Now, he might get honor from that position having served faithfully, but it's not an honor to be bestowed. It's a job to be given. That's what we see here. Now, we look down at verse 6. They set them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on him. There are only three people in the church, not if you don't count there were people, we've read already, that they, the, the apostles laid their hands on them. They received the Spirit of God early in the New Testament. But within the church, there's three groups upon whom hands were laid in an ordination. Number one were elders, also known as bishops. Number two, missionaries. In Acts chapter 13, they laid, the church laid their hands on Paul, uh, Paul and Barnabas, and they were sent out as missionaries duly ordained official missionaries, and then also deacons in Acts chapter 6, verse 6. So you have these two groups. You have within the church, you have bishops and deacons. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, bishops are mentioned. And in, uh, and in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 only, deacons are mentioned. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you would, First Timothy chapter three, verse number one. It's important. Now remember, in Philippians one, verse one, we saw bishops and deacons together because those two offices go together. They are the offices of the church. Okay, if you don't count missionary, which I think you you could argue you could count that, but 
At least they're mentioned together. And here they're also mentioned together. So you can't, listen, you can't, you can't read about a deacon and what a deacon should be and do unless you first read about a bishop. You say, I don't like the word bishop. I'm sorry. That's in the Bible. <laughs> a bishop is what we call a pastor. We just don't use the word bishop probably because it's association with Episcopalianism or something. So, but it's, a bishop is, the word bishop just means someone who oversees. It is a clear leadership position in a spiritual capacity. That's what a bishop is, okay? Verse 1, 1 Timothy 3. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now, what's interesting to note here is that the word bishop is singular, but the word deacon here is plural. Now, I'm not going to make a big argument about that because, uh, because Philippians uses the word bishops and deacons, plural, both plural. But I, I, I do note it. Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into, the, into reproach and the snare of the devil. All right? Now, look at verse 8. Here's where we go into deacons. Likewise. Pause. See that? You know what that means? That means the requirements for a deacon are built upon the requirements for a bishop. And that means there's, there's not much sunlight between the two. So our deacons, if we select... Another deacon later on, essentially, we're selecting someone who would also be qualified morally, spiritually to be a pastor. That's a high. In other words, that's what I want you to see. Those men in Acts chapter 6, they were not lesser, right? They were not lesser. They were not like substandard, you know, not quite pastoral material. They were not that. They were high caliber men. You know the difference? Is the, the gifts and the calling that God had given them. That's it. David, are you called to preach, as far as you know, in an official capacity as your life's work? As an evangelist, not as a Exactly. Does that mean you can't ever preach? No. No. You see, just because, listen, just because someone is a deacon... Someone is a, is a deacon and not a pastor doesn't mean somehow they're, they're like lesser or whatever. No, God gives pe different people different jobs, different roles in the church. So we need to get that out of our mind that somehow deacons are less or if anybody has that idea. I don't know, maybe our deacons are looking, are thinking, no, I think I'm better actually. <laughs> yeah, Brother Vernon is nodding gravely back there. See, it says grave, right? <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but it says... Likewise, must the deacons be grave. Now, note, note what things are common with the bishop. Must be grave, not in the grave, but grave, okay? 
what's that, not one foot in the grave, uh, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, that's common, not greedy of filthy lucre, that's also with the bishop, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon. Notice the word office mentioned twice here. Being found blameless, blameless is also in the, as a bishop, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, that's also common, ruling their children and their own house as well, that's also common. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves, hey, don't try, listen, don't try to buy something here, okay? We're not, we're not talking about that kind of purchase. This just means obtain. <laughs> purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All right, notice how many things are the same. The husband of one wife, faithful families and children, blameless, clean from alcohol, established in the faith, honest in money matters. Listen, truth is, all of our church should be like that. But in this case, this is a requirement. That's why it says, must be for the bishop, must be. So listen, we're, we're talking about a bishop. If there ever comes a time, I have no plans. Don't worry, I'm not, don't get up, don't concerned. But if at any time in the future, this church has to select another pastor, we're, we would never, I hope we would never be at a place where we would say, well, it'd be good to have somebody that meets the qualifications, but we'll take somebody that doesn't. No, must be. Same is true of deacons. That's why when we select deacons, we're not selecting someone that we like, whom we want to honor. We're selecting someone who fits the requirements. It's a necessity. Right? But notice what is unique about the deacons. I'm sorry, Miss Betty, Miss McLean, Miss Muxlow. There are specific requirements for a deacon's wife that aren't, aren't, aren't stated for the, for the pastor's, the bishop's wife. The deacon is said to be grave, which is a little more serious than sober. Sober, sober just means he's serious, but grave means really serious. There's, a, uh, there's, there's two things in the bishop's list that is not in the deacon's list. And it really explains the difference. I've already told you that the caliber of men is the same, right? That's what we've seen. The caliber of men is the same. Here's what, here's what but here's the difference. In the bishop requirements, it, he is required to be apt to teach because his ministry is a spiritual ministry of the word whereas a deacon deals with secular matters. Secular matters. The other thing that's not in the deacon list that is in the pastor's list is the emphasis on ruling and taking care. Notice it says, if a man, verse 5, know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So, of course, we know the deacon has to have a family that's in order. But the, the, the bishop does too, but the bishop does especially because his role as taking care of his family is reflective of his ability to take care of the church in an oversight capacity. 
So that shows you that a deacon, just like we read in Acts 6, when they took that job, that job was for service. And, and that's, we, we also see that here because with the bishop, although, of course, a bishop serves, but the idea is there's, a, there's an aspect of ruling and oversight that's not present with the deacons because their job is primarily a job of service, as the word deacon indicates. So we might say it like this. The deacon's office is not a teaching office, as is the office of a bishop. So the requirements are a little bit different on the specifics of their duties. His office is also not primarily a ruling office, as is the office of a bishop. The deacons, all the, and furthermore, though the deacon's role is primarily dealing with the physical necessities of the church, his requirements are almost the same as the bishop. This is why it makes me so mad when pastors stump their chest and they act like they're, they, they're you know, like a proud peacock. Because, really, the deacons might have a job that deals in secular matters, but as far as a caliber of a, of a man who lives for and loves God, it shouldn't be any difference. There should be people that are, listen, there should be people in the church that are just as spiritual as the pastor, both men and women, <laughs> right? There should be. There should be. Now, verse number 13. For they that have used the office of a deacon well. Now stop. That tells us something. That means you can, you can use the office of a deacon well and you can use it wrongly. Okay? The honor, in verse 13, notice what it says, purchase to themselves a good degree. A degree, you know what that is? That's a rank of honor, of distinction. That means in the church of God, listen, for, you know, I, I met someone yesterday who said they, they, had, uh, they were a deacon of the church they were in, and I saw they had, a, they had a, an ashtray with cigars sitting right next to it. And I thought to myself, well, that, I mean, he seemed like a nice man. He used to come to church here, actually. He seemed to have a clear testimony of salvation, but I don't know, that just struck me as a little bit inconsistent. Hope you ain't smoking cigars. <laughs> when someone becomes a deacon, they take on those, those duties to serve, and when they do it well, with that comes a, a, a a degree of distinction within the church so that they say when they, even among the church, they say, I'm a deacon. See, here's the thing. I know, you guys know, especially you, you deacons that meet other people who are deacons at other churches and stuff, sometimes they use, well, I'm a deacon at such such church. And what, what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to strut around like a peacock. And they're trying to show how much clout they have and how much pull they have and how, how they can control things. Listen, that is not in the scripture. However, when you, listen, when you do it right, and you say, you say, I'm a deacon. You know what you've, you've shown? You've shown you have a matter, you, you have something of distinction because that you have been selected, you have met the requirements, and you have faithfully discharged your duties. And that's not a little thing. 
It is a matter of distinction in the church. And it says, and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't know. I don't want to take this too far, but I would say this. So maybe when we stand before the Lord, your faithful discharging of these duties, the Lord might note that. Not the, notice, not the title. <laughs> it's not a matter of the title. Who cares about that? But the faithful discharge of the duties for which you were, first of all, you were, you were fit for service, which is why you were chosen. And having been chosen, you did it faithfully for the honor of God. I think the Lord's going to remember that. Maybe when you get to heaven, you'll wear a chevron, <laughs> right? That's where the, what the word degree means. Now, I appreciate, listen, I don't want to make all decisions by myself. I don't want to. I want not only men like the deacons to give input, but all men who are spiritually minded, who want the honor of God and glory of God. I want the opinion of David and Joseph and, and Ben and Walter and Eric and, of course, Brother Stewart. And I want the opinion of, of Brother Ari. I want the opinion of everyone, whether they're a deacon or not. Because remember, the, remember, the role of a deacon is a role of service. But... It's, it's, not, it's not about me. It's not about me as the pastor ruling the roost, for sure. It's about all of us being together, doing the will of God together. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And so this is just kind of an overview of the first deacons, which weren't original to the church, but came about as a necessity, but have in, ended up being a great blessing to the church as those Secular needs. The Lord must have known that, you know, early in the, they call it the primitive church, you know, when they didn't, we didn't have all the trappings and things that we have now with huge buildings and fees and laws and all that stuff that we have now. The Lord, the Lord knew that they needed to set up a process whereby those secular things could be dealt with because as time went on, it would get more complicated. And that's exactly what has happened. That's exactly what has happened. Let's pray together.